Hello and welcome to the In Contention Podcast. I am your host, Franny, with Ruben Bressler. Hello, everybody. <laughs> and Joey Pasco. <laughs> hey, everybody. Off to a good start. Yeah. yeah. How'd you guys? Uh, how'd you guys' weekend go? Excellent. Excellent. I was. Uh, I played in a PTQ um, with the slipperiest of boggles. Did you bo- boggle some people out then? I did boggle some minds. Uh, I got seventeenth. Uh, I pr- like. I was very. I felt like I was very close to to top eighting, but some things didn't go my way, so I lost two of the rounds. But I got seventeenth out of about a hundred. It was a good time. Nice. What about you, Joy? Oh, I'm good. Good. I pretty much just. Uh you know, watched a little bit of magic coverage, watched a little bit of NFL playoffs. That was that was my weekend. Nice. And I was able to go to the Open in Columbus this past weekend, which was the largest Open that has ever been held. Right. So it was uh, it, it was kind of amazing. I guess they had to move the venue to the Battelle Hall in, in the convention center. Um, and when <laughs> when I got in, I mean, I felt like I was at a Grand Prix. I couldn't believe how many people yeah. were there. Um, and I had something, I, I had like really unfortunate timing this weekend. I had a health issue that prevented me from playing on Saturday. I had to go um, to uh, urgent care. No, no big deal there. But uh, then on Sunday, I got called into work. So I had to be at work at eight in the morning and I, I couldn't get done until around noon. So um, that prevented me from playing the Legacy Open. But uh Nevertheless, I had an insane weekend hanging out with all the awesome people from uh, around the Midwest, especially in the Columbus and Cincinnati areas. But, uh, yeah, that was super cool. And also, uh, you know, of course, we'll get into it. Um, a lot of local talent uh, making the top eight and yes. both the standard legacy portion. So it was pretty pretty cool to, to watch and root on my friends as they, you know, crushed it in the, uh, the 10 rounds. Um, standard event. So, but uh, anyway, uh, before we get into our show topics this week, why don't we give a show plug to StarCityGames.com? Of course, In Contention is the official podcast of the StarCityGames.com Open Series, and this weekend the Open Series comes to San Diego, California, with ten thousand dollars prize pools in both the standard and legacy opens. If you can't be there, be sure to tune into SCGLive.com and catch Patrick Sullivan and Cedric Phillips, of course, everyone's favorite duo, with Ruben Bressler in the cyborg. Everyone's favorite trio. Yes, there you go. <laughs> Bringing you all the action for the weekend. The Twitter hashtag is SCGSD, so you can use that to join in on the discussion. And if you can't make it out, be sure to check out an invitational qualifier tournament near you. Go to the StarCityGames.com open series page for a complete listing at StarCityGames.com slash SCGOP. And, and speaking of SCGOP, <coughs> flawless segue. I have a cu- there's a couple big things that happened at Star City Games slash SCGOP this week that you're going to want to check out. The first thing is the announcement of open trials. This is something we're very excited about. It's kind of one of the big things that we've got planned here. Basically, if you're a local store, you can run an event of your choice. And you can make it sanctioned or you can have it not sanctioned. Your open trial can be emperor if you want it to be. Uh, it basically, it gives the stores the freedom to run tournaments that have Star City Games support and prize behind them, uh, including a terrific new open trial playmat by Kristen Pleskow, who's t- done the uh, the Spirit and the Angel and, and several of the other tokens, as well as the player tokens for Star City Games. And if you go to the uh, open trials page, you can see the, the playmats that you can get for January through March, which it looks like a Johnny fighting a giant worm, and the April through June, which is uh, basically the Rhino Yak is what I've been calling it, uh, Playmat, which they're both very excellent. Um, She's a very talented artist, and you should, you know, these are excellent pieces that I would be happy to have on a Magic card, let alone a Playmat. So go check. Real quick, I just wanted to say, like, her artwork is really, really nice. I don't know if you guys, I mean, I know, she did the the player tokens. She did the player tokens. She did, you know, you mentioned those other tokens. She has, like, a a blog, and I wish I had the address off the top of my head, but uh, if we could... Think of it and link it. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. We'll put we'll put the blog for Kristen and for Liz. Liz Nugent, also a talented artist we have in house. She has the uh, the Penguin series out right now. Yeah, uh, she has several more coming in the coming months. She has one per month, I believe, oh. is the schedule. And uh, they are they're 
fantastic and she also has a blog where she does hilarious uh, magic comics and we'll we'll link to all that in stuff in the show notes she has excellent stuff but anyway open trials uh are, are important go to scg op slash open underscore trials i think is the website for that uh also um the new iq playmat by svetlin velanov is out it's a spooky orzov themed one with uh, our main character dale still trying to run away with the book so go check that one out and you can also go to facebook.com slash scgiq to find an iq near you uh and we also have announced the payouts for the sealed and team star city opens uh, and one of the big things is that all three members of the first place team in all of the team sealed events get a thousand bucks. Nice. So yeah, go awesome. to the go to the open series page to check that out. And we got a lot more stuff coming down the pipeline. So subscribe to Star City Games on Twitter and Facebook, and you know listen to this show and stuff. Yeah, I mean, if people, I don't think uh, uh, you know if everybody hadn't caught the announcement, there are you know we announced the the open series schedule up through the middle of August and there's a couple weekends that aren't standard and legacy. They're standard right. and standard or standard and sealed or standard and team sealed. Yes. So uh, if you want to... Well, we also announced the yeah. next uh, the next uh, uh, invitational in the list is going to be in Somerset, New Jersey which is an interesting choice. Hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Actually, there's Put one a number of events in that region that yes. uh, some of the, the players in that area were just you know, very happy to, to hear those announced. But, uh, yeah, so good, some good stuff going on. But uh, we got some fun stuff to talk about today. Of course, uh, <clears throat> the event that happened this past weekend in Columbus and Denver, we had the, you know, the open series for Legacy and Standard. We're going to talk about some of the deck lists we saw there. And then Grand Prix Denver happened, which was the Legacy format. And uh, about 700 players showed up for that event and then had um, some pretty cool deck lists at the top and a couple players that I, I didn't expect to see. And then... Um, uh, a little bit more spoiler discussion. Of course, as spoilers come in, we'll, we'll be discussing the mechanics and the impact that we think that it'll have on the various constructive formats. Um, you know, and, and as it leads into you know our main spoiler uh, cast, we don't typically do an all-inclusive cast like you know uh, like limited resources guys. They'll do like a five-hour-long podcast and talk about every single card. Uh, we tend to you know have you sort of read along as these spoilers come out, and that way when we do, when we do the final one, we're all sort of in the loop. And finally, we're, gonna, we're going to talk about the special invites that were given out this time around. Um, just a brief discussion on what that means for, uh, you know, grinders and players out there and uh, some of the players that, that got invited. And, uh, and then a very neat thing, which we can't really get into it this week because it's not going to happen until the 15th. But in contention, got a official Gatecrash preview card. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so get excited for that. That'll be on January 15th. Um, we probably, I guess we won't talk about it much more because we can't give details on the card, but uh, it is a very cool card, and we're very excited to talk about it on the next show. I can almost guarantee, almost guarantee, that it will see more play than Slitherhead has gotten. I was going to say almost the exact same thing. So uh, <laughs> that, that's, I guess that's even more of an almost guarantee. <laughs> or as, nice. as much as I love me a Sculptopus... It hasn't seen a ton of play. No, no. Unfortunately. That's all right. There's still time. There's still time. Especially, I mean, look at Evolve. Look at all the plus, yeah. plus one cards going around. Get a Fathom Mage in play. Eh? Yeah. Eh? Zero mana draw card. I like so it. Leatherhead right. stock just keeps going up. So, all right. So, the standard portion of the Open Series, I can't even believe. Uh, like I said, on Friday, I wasn't feeling very good. And... Uh, I, I decided that it just wouldn't be a good idea to try to play in, in the event. I assumed it was going to be at least nine rounds. I showed up around 10.30 in the morning, and they said it was going to be ten rounds. There was like over, what, what's the final count? Like 696 or something like that. I thought that. it was 695 was the number 695. I saw. 693 was the previous record in 2011 uh, right. DC. So 704 would have been 11 rounds. Wow. That yeah, yeah, they, they were like literally... Two people away, and I'm sure like everybody was just sigh, you know sighing in relief that that didn't yeah. end up uh, uh, coming to pass. But um, yeah, I mean the room was just packed, and you know making the rounds and watching people you know play decks, there was a lot of variety in the room. Um, I, of course, I didn't get to watch any coverage, so maybe you guys may have even seen more than I did as I was you know there. So. In my opinion, it, it felt like Naya was still kind of solidifying itself as being one of the best decks in the format. Green-white uh, of multiple varieties, either Caleb or, or Kibler, 
of course, being a very good list to play and, uh, and black red. Um, those were sort of, to me, kind of the front runners and then followed by, uh, the decks that I would say maybe were ahead of the pack three or four weeks ago being the Thrag Tusk and Sphinx's Revelation decks, which, uh, there, I don't believe there were any Sphinx's Revelation decks aside from the one deck and the top eight of the events. Yeah, it's interesting because we see, you know, we went from the end of last season for the Open Series, uh, where Bant, basically four-color Bant, with three Duke, wins the tournament. Uh, and that deck was a pretty big player, and it's just not even here. Yeah, it's just <laughs> not, not there it's anymore. gone, and it's only, I mean, did, I don't know, if for Christmas, everybody asks Santa for people to just forget about that deck. Um, I don't, I don't know, but even the the four color control list that uh, that Andrew Shrout played to second place, um, it it looked to me like it's kind of like a junk ramp deck, and it was like, well, instead of black, I'll play Huntmaster of the Fells and Sphinx's Revelation. Like that's. I mean, it's exactly what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 an it's a Nyadex splashed attention sphere Sphinx's Revelation. Yeah. So I mean, it doesn't <laughs> even look really that much like the. Uh, you know, the Bant control list, or even the, the Sphinx's Revelation decks that we were seeing everywhere. And, uh, you know, the first deck that kind of looks like more of a, a true blue control deck is in 10th place with uh, Stephen Mike's Esper control. Um, mm. and, and that's something I wanted to, to mention. I'm seeing a lot of people pick up Esper. And, uh, yes. And, yeah, so, so this particular list has, you know, the, the kind of obvious... Uh, at least initially, the obvious reason to play Esper, you get access to Lingering Souls. And then, of course, you're like, well, and there's a there's a black-white Planeswalker. I can play Soren. Uh, and that was, you know, I think I, I've mentioned it before, Shaheen Sarani won Virginia States very early in the season with an Esper control deck playing Soren and Lingering Souls. And, uh, like, that's kind of the initial way to take it. But I actually prefer some of these lists I'm seeing. Uh, Hunter Hersko Fugit came in 31st place with an Esper list, no Lingering Souls, no Soren. And I think, uh, you know, this is this is more like blue-white splashing black just to get access to uh, to things like Ultimate Price. I mean, that's kind of, it looks like the only black deck, uh, black card in the deck aside from the four Nefalia Drown Yards. Uh, so I actually like the way this particular list is positioned. Um, this is the second time in just a couple days that I've seen someone uh, send me an Esper list. My friend Jason Chris Baker sent me uh, his Esper list, and it also foregoes the Lingering Souls and the Soren. I, I, I like I like this kind of uh, look better than the Soren lists. That Esper deck is all over the place um, at the FNM and, and MTGO level. Uh-huh. So if you're not prepared to play against like multiple Nefalia Drown Yards, then you need to sort of retool your deck um, because I wasn't really. I wasn't really prepared for playing it. I, of course, after it was after Sunday, so I guess maybe just in the last couple of days, um, I've played. I would say fifty percent of the time I played on Magic Online, it's been against this Esper deck. So yeah. I don't know if it's because it's a little bit easier to build. It doesn't. I mean, if you're playing the non-Planeswalker version, if you have the lands, the deck's really not that bad. You know, you have to buy a couple Sphinx Revelation and maybe a couple Jaces. It's it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty easy to build, and it's got pretty good game against most of the, the decks in the format. You know, it's got the spot removal to, to be able to nail, you know, some of the decks that are playing the bigger sort of haymaker creatures, but it's also got Wrath of Gods, too. So yeah, it's Dan a really Musser. well-positioned deck. Dan Musser also played it in 39th place, and he has uh, Curse of Death's Hold, which is, I like. Uh, you know, you yeah. get access to that. He had one in the main, one in the board. Uh, I'll know. tell you what, what this tournament looks like to me. This tournament looks like the Rise of Red. Because every deck I'm looking at has Hellrider, Brimstone Volley, Searing Spear, and Pillar of Flame. Every single deck. Like, some of them have Thundermaw Hellkite, and some of, some of them have, like, Zealous Conscripts, and some of them have black cards. You know, some of them have, like, Ash Zealots and Gorehouse Chainwalkers, and the other ones have, like, uh, occasionally you'll see, like, Pyre Heart Wolves or Geralt's Messengers. But Hellrider, man, that's the card right now, I think. So, yeah. that's... That's my that's my that's my takeaway from this event. Because yeah, sure it won the event. Okay, anything can win an event once you make top eight. But Black Red Zombies got third, right? Another mono red deck takes top sixteen in ninth, actually. I'm sorry, twelfth. 
A Black Red Zombies takes ninth. Mm -hmm. There are two more in the top 32. Mono Red decks. Just Mono Red. Red deck wins. Uh, Then there's, you know, Black Red Zombies. I mean, I'm seeing... uh, I mean, if if Hellrider isn't the most played uh, four-mana spell over top of things like uh, Supreme Verdict, Huntmaster of the Fells, I'm going to be a little surprised. I think you're probably right, Ruben. I mean, that guy, he's the closer. If you're playing a red deck, that guy's going to be the guy that's going to end you most of your games. Yeah, he's the, he's the real reason to be running Ultimate Price also. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, and, and, not to... Go ahead, Joy. I'm sorry, yeah, not to uh, to jump the gun here a little bit, but I just while we're on the topic of Mono Red, I mean, Skullcrack? Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, Skullcrack, okay, so let me... Let me tell you a, a little experiment that I had going into the weekend. I, I fully uh, intended to play on Saturday. I really wanted to. So throughout the week, I was kind of looking at my options, grinding decks on, on Magic Online, playing some daily, some other things, trying to figure out what deck I wanted to play. And uh, late on, or early on uh, Wednesday, after the downtime, I decided I wanted to play a life game deck. And uh, it's basically just Bant, and it's got all of the usual, you know, Bant suspects, your Far Seeks and Thrag Tests, but it also runs multiple copies of Rock's Faith Mender, Tristani, and it runs Chalice of Life. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> this this deck, it, I know it sounds like a little janky. It runs Sphinx of Revelation also, and it's got really good sideboard options. I was just crushing decks with this deck because the control decks just can't interact with Chalice of Life in any meaningful way. And as long as you've been able to stick a chalice or you're able to, you know, gain like just like incremental advantage through Thrag Tusk and Sphinx's Revelation. Um, they just can't out card advantage you. And you also run Angel Serenity and Caverner Souls. And so it's like it's got all of like the good the things that, that uh these sort of creature decks have problems with against the uh the mid range decks and it just it just makes it so that that's not the case. But the problem is that you could not beat a red deck. The life gain deck could not beat a red deck. That's I, I, cr- I was crushing the flash decks. I was crushing the reanimator decks. Um, just you know, just dispatching them left and right. Every time I played against a red deck, I would think to myself, "Yeah, a red deck." And I wouldn't even. It was three games. It would just be like two games. You're dead. Next game. And so Skullcrack coming into the format, like that card is real. I know that it's, it, you know. Flames of the Blood Hand is the best comparison. Flames of the Blood Hand was very, very good when Loxodon Hierarch was, you know, the default life gain spell in the format. And right now, we got people gaining a lot of life in Skullcrack. Skullcrack means that you're a Hellrider. If you do not have a Wrath, you're you're actually dead. Like, no amount of Thrag Tusk that you play uh, or any of your life gain spells are going to mean anything. So, scary. Very, very scary card. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I expected something like this to show up. So, as soon as it did, it was like... You know, I, I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. And it's it's scarier given the results of Columbus. You know, like Ruben saying, like, red is already, uh, appears to be a, a pretty big force. And now you're going to have access to Skullcrack, which is going to kind of nullify a lot of the, you know, the, the answers, that, or the, at least the traditional answers in the format against the red decks, the Thrag Tusks, the Sphinx's Revelations. I mean, those are the, the two big ones. So. so so did you guys see the card that was spoiled last night? Uh, online Medic? And, yeah, uh, this how guy is weird awesome. is that card? Okay, so, so, go right, read so it. let me just say what it is, and then I'll give my brief thoughts on it. It's a, it's a two and a white, so three mana for a three three, and it has Battalion. Uh, whenever it and two other creatures attack, Creatures you control are indestructible, okay? Which is, you know, that's a pretty good card. Then it has this ability, and this ability is kind of wild. You can sacrifice it to counter a spell with X in its mana cost unless it's controller pays three. So, uh... This is a white card. Yeah. (laughs) This is a mono-white card with a Boros ability. Right. Now, something tells me that this may have been... Um, a safety valve for a card more than anything else. Exactly so, right. This is a this is a scalpel that they found during Future Future League. This may be a scalpel for Sphinx's Revelation. I I think it's a scalpel for Bonfire the Damned at instant uh, speed. Yes. No. 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 It. it oh, you, because you, we have. Yeah. You can just counter it whenever. Okay. So sure. 
I think it's a scalpel for for bonfire, but I think it has just the added benefit that like this Sphinx's revelation is seeing more play than Bonfire of the Damned. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I just feel like it's probably too little time between Return to Ravnica being printed and this being printed for this to be a safety valve for Sphinx's revelation. That's a good point. You're right. So, but but regardless, I mean, this card is really really powerful for. Stopping that, and it also randomly stops cards like uh, Syncopate, and um, I think that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, well, it's funny because it reminds me a little bit of Dauntless Escort in that way, right? Where mm. you're like, "Hey, you're going to bonfire? Oh, you know, pay an extra three, right?" Um, well, and, and we also talked about Battalion as a mechanic last time, and I, I still believe that Battalion is uh, pound for pound. This is like the most undercosted mechanic that they have there because basically they're putting it on creatures that are already relatively efficient. Yeah. And so I mean, this, this one, thing's a three, three for three that already yeah. has a decent, you know, corner ability. I'll grant you, but you know, well, this, like your guys aren't dying. I mean, if you attack with anything, any three creatures, your guys, are, your guys are, are staying alive. I like this guy a lot in, in standard. I don't know, like if he's going to have a place until white weenies a deck, I guess, the old saying, there's nothing certain except for death and taxes and White Weenie. Right. So I imagine we will see White Weenie, given that Boros is one of the... Uh, Isn't death and taxes death- White Weenie? Yeah, yeah. That's that's for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying the deck is... All right. We're done. Uh, it, and I also like it. I'm going to play this guy in cube, I think. Um, the three drops are pretty bad as far, far as uh, cube goes. I mean, they're pretty... They don't do a lot, and I feel like this guy's exactly what you want in your decks. Like it's he's an aggressive guy that makes your your one and two drops relevant again, even if your opponent plays a blocker. So I, I like it. I, he kind of he kind of like gives one guy shadow basically, uh, because usually your opponent isn't going to make bad blocks if uh, if you have three indestructible guys. They're not just going to chomp. They're they're going to try to 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 keep value on the board. So. This guy's a, a good card, I think, uh, in a lot of ways. And again, especially as more battalion gets spoiled, this guy just gets better. I'll tell you the white creature that I'm super excited about. Are we just moving into spoiler talk? Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, here? I guess if you could bench that real quick, maybe we could just uh, quickly... Uh, I actually wanted to shout out um, Kurt Crane, yep. who, who took uh, fifth place with Naya Agro. He actually didn't drop a single game uh, in the Swiss, I believe. Wow! And uh, and so it didn't didn't lose his first uh, match, and obviously until the top eight. And um, and he, I, I was kind of watching him and talking to him throughout the day. And he's been someone to keep an eye out on. He's he's top eighted uh, four, I believe, four or five Star City Opens. Um, and uh, he's he's really kind of dedicated to to uh, to doing well on the circuit. And also Ben Weinberg, of course, is somebody you see show up over and over and over again. In these uh, in these events, so um, definitely, and they're both playing very very similar decks, if not you know eighty uh, percent copies of each other's decks. So Naya, very very good deck, uh, good enough to pilot a good player to a good finish in a ten round tournament. Yeah, I think the most important thing about Kurt's deck to me is the adoption of Selesnya Charm. Finally, mm. uh, that's I I had always said I thought Selesnya Charm would end up being the best. Charm from Return to Ravnica hasn't panned out yet, but it's slowly getting there, and uh, I'm I'm still hoping, still hoping it gets there. But I think you're probably I think you're probably right. I, I like Slazny Charm better than any of the other charms right now. It, it, it's it's going to be dead much less of the time now, especially as uh, the, you know these Niadex are more popular. Yes, but you know, in in the more angel serenities you see, the I mean, this card is so good against that card, and yeah. uh, I fully expect to see angel serenity, you know, until it's out of standard. Absolutely, yeah. It's all it's all a function of how how much uh, you know how many five power creatures we're going to see in the format. So I think earlier on it, there weren't as many. Now there are more, so it it gets better. But I think it's it's a context thing. Um, I still prefer to play Azorius Charm, but I, uh, I, I so you like you have an affinity for blue. That's that's, that's where did you hear that? Uh, I read it somewhere. <laughs> no, but uh, so I, I've also considered playing Selesnya Charm in like a, a Bant deck because of just that five power. Yeah, you know, able the ability to kill the five power dudes. But uh, 
And, and I could see that happening. I feel like somebody may have actually played, like, Splash just one. Or not Splash, but played just one just kind of uh, a few months ago. But I, I don't remember. Maybe I'm wrong. So. so let's move into the spoiler talk since we're stuck on standard. We'll go to Legacy in a minute. That sounds good. Um, the white creature that I am most excited for so far is this grizzly bear that has extort. I don't know if about you guys, <laughs> but Sin- Syndic of Tithes. Is Tax a- bear. Yeah, that guy is awesome. Yeah. I think that this card's very cubable, by the way, Cranny. Oh, most definitely. Because, yeah. like, you drop, like, if you're playing a white weenie deck, how many three drops are you realistically going to be playing? You're playing almost all one and two drops. So you're like, turn two Syndic of Tithes, turn three, another two drop extort you. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, if you have multiples in play, you get to drain for multiples. Like, this card is real good. And he's a common. And he's so a common, if you're, yeah. if you play popper uh, cubes, then this guy can go in, and that's a pretty good ability for uh, a popper list. Yeah. This guy definitely goes in the uh, the popper white weenie deck um, online, mostly. I don't know many people who have a, uh, a paper copy of popper. Well, okay, so do you think that that could change? Because do you, you realize that, in, as far as daily events go... Popper actually eclipsed Standard um, as the most played daily event format. And, like, really? mul- multiple days in a row, that's it had more. Yeah, that's insane to me. Like, could, could, could you see there being, like, a Popper challenge or something at, a, <laughs> you know, at an event? As players, I, we would love that. But uh, I know that the, uh, the, comp- the way the company makes money is to sell Magic Cards. Yeah, commons are... Commons don't sell. sell as well. <laughs> uh, they unless, are unless infinite play, online, though, man. Yeah, unless you're playing Masks Draft and you go Days, Invigorate, Invigorate Days as your first four picks and pay for your draft. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, I would love that. I, I love Popper as a format. Um, it's it's a ton of fun. I remember when I first signed up for Magic Online, I just spent like three ticks and built a Esper Momentary Blink deck just, you know, because I could. Like, that's what I wanted to build. And, uh, you know, you can, there's a lot of playable decks in the format. But, uh, yeah, I think that there's a future for Paper Popper as long as they don't run out of cards. We might have to have From the Vault Commons eventually. Ooh, that'd be kind of cool. That would be kind of crazy. It'd be ridiculous. Just, <laughs> it'd, be like a, it'd be like a $10 From the Vault. Yeah, they'd have to put like, <laughs> they'd have to put like 200 in there. And at that point, they, would, they may as well just make it a cube, right? Yeah. So what? Uh, I want to hear your predictions. What other creature type combinations are going to come from the Simic? Because we've got Fog Lizard on Rapid Hybridization. <laughs> uh, we've got what's another good one? We got oh, we have Crocodile Frog, or the Crocodile Rock, as I like to call him. Human Ooze. Human Ooze is no, a real good one. That's actually something <laughs> on that card. You know, we have Experiment One. That's what I'm call. I'm uh, I'm referring to. Ruben, didn't you kind of call this card? Last week, I think. I mean, maybe you didn't specifically say it. Said a one-one for one in green, uh, but I didn't have another ability on it. Well, I thought you when we were talking about evolve. I think you you kind of uh, did I? I? I don't know if it was you know it, you didn't mention like the regeneration ability, but I think you. I think that I mentioned that a one-one for one could exist, and I also mentioned that like using plus one plus one counters to pay for abilities could exist. I didn't exactly yeah. call this card right, right. But, this card is very powerful. I think that a 1-1 one, one for 1 with Evolve is a powerful card by itself. And with the Regeneration Clause, it's extremely good. Like, if you think about a start of Experiment 1, Strangle Root Guys, Dreg Mangler, that's a bunch of attacking power, and they can't even Wrath that. They can't even Supreme Verdict that. Yeah. Because Regenerate... And then you undie, and then you evolve again because the undying gets the experiment one again. Yeah. And the drag mangler pumps your team from your graveyard. And, so, and then you know, with cards like Gavney Township and you know yeah. other guys that that move counters over to him, he gets even better. Yeah. So, do you think that there's room for like I, I'm I'm kind of expecting to see a little bit more equipment because it makes guys like these guys a little bit better. Um, I don't know. I just feel like if you're if you want to play the flyer and you want to play the one one, it still feels pretty bad to get wrath um, after you've spent all this time playing these big creatures to pump up your small guys. And uh, equipment makes it creature like big well, not, creature being a two two. 
Yeah, but but it, it stops there, right? Like if you play a two two and your guy goes to a two two, then your guy doesn't pump on another two two. You have to play three three and then a four four. So I think like if if you want these guys to be good, you need to have some way to sort of supplement their usefulness as a um, you know as a way to like just have a big guy on the board, you know, on accident. This guy and doesn't the- need to be big. This guy's fine as Isomaru. Just pump him once. No, yeah. I'm I'm not saying experiment one is bad. I'm saying that like all Winnie decks, they get better with equipment. And right now, oh, absolutely, we're in a situation where the equipment is just it's pretty not mediocre. Bad. We've got like illusionary bracers, which doesn't do anything in our deck. <laughs> and I guess the only equipment that sees play right now is Rune Chanter's Pike. Right. And like Pike's not awful. Pike's I mean, fine. So, we did live through several, you know, sev- a couple of years where equipment was just the best thing ever. Yeah. So maybe it's time for a little break. That was That's kind of that was a mistake. <laughs> I, I hope we don't see equipment like those ever again because those are way too good. But uh, so, can I give like a little thought on this set? Because I, I, I'm hearing a lot from people on Twitter and out at events talking about, oh, this set's weak. It's not very good. All the cards spoiled or not that great. Who is saying and that? A lot of people. And really? I was I, I was one of them until like this three or four looks, days ago. This set looks awesome. No, no, no. It, it didn't say that the set didn't look awesome. Oh, it, it just looked it, like underpowered. It looked underpowered, right? Because if you look in the, I, it, I, it made it was very clear to me when I was going through cards and I was like laying out Return to Ravnica rares, and I'm like Angel of Trinity, Lotleth Troll, Abrupt Decay, Detention Spheres, Supreme Verdict, Sphinx Revelation. And I'm just like the list went on. It was like yeah. 25 cards, and I and I wasn't stopping. And I was looking at all these cards. I'm like. That gets played in every format. That gets played in every format. And, I, you know, you, you kind of look at this cycle of cards, you know, the uncounterable cycle, all the the awesome gold cards that they made, Angel Serenity. And, and by comparison, a lot of the cards in Gatecrash look like they had an extra colorless stapled on them. That's true. So, well, and, and so that does a lot to the perception of the format because if you look at Return to Ravnica, like, you expect that Gatecrash will essentially mirror the power level. Because, like, why, would, why wouldn't you, right? Because then, you know, the, the Demir and Gruul and Boros, like, those guilds are just going to be weaker than the other guilds? Just because, why? Because your set design? Or, or what, was the, what was the directive to do that? So people are like, oh, well, they're sandbagging all these great cards. Or, oh, they're, you know, the best is yet to come. Or, or maybe this is all we're getting, and this is just not a very good set. And, uh, anyways, long story short, I went through the spoiler, and I found, like, 20 cards out of this out of the 60 some cards that I I know will be very good. Oh yeah, absolutely. They just they, they're not getting pressed. And and also people have to remember like you are getting five rare lands. Yeah, uh, that you know. I know it's not exciting cuz we know what they are and we we expect to have them, but I mean they're really really important to to the those color combinations being good. Yeah. And but, I uh, I think that people are like just whiffing on some cards, you know, they just are like, yeah, this card's not going to be very good. Like, have you read Zamic Guildmage? Like, <laughs> right. That card's going to be a the first of the Ravnica block Guildmages that you're, is going to see a lot of constructed play. Like, a lot. That card's very good. Yeah, he's nuts. Uh, Obzadot, obviously, is just insane. Obzadot is the... Ridiculous. Yeah, and pe- like I saw people on Twitter that were like, in a world where you've got access to Thrag Tusk and Thundermaw Hellkite, why would you ever play Obsidot? And I'm like, have you read Obsidot? Have you read what that card does? <laughs> the, it, 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 it drains them every turn. It's a fi- I mean, sure, it's got a ridiculous casting cost to try to cast in anything that's not a strict black-white deck, but you know what? Lingering Souls and Soren are a card, so you might have a strict black-white deck. Uh, it, 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 it blind hunters every turn. It's a 5-5 five, five for 5 in, two, in a color combination where you don't get that. Like, that card's ridiculous. I mean, a, there's a lot of cards in this. Um, there is a lot that are overcosted. I'll grant you. I think Death Pact Angels token is stupid, and we're going to have to open that card in packs. You, you realize we, we get to open uh, a Cleric with an activated ability as a token in our packs, by the way. That's the mythic token <laughs> this time around. That's right, nice. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, all the Cypher cards look a little too expensive. You know, Aurelia looks a little unimpressive when you're like, ah, six mana for a 3-4, but then you have to you have to read the cards. These cards are, are clearly very powerful when they're, when they're put next to stuff like Skullcrack. You know what I mean? If that's in the same set, they didn't underpower this set. So I'm I'm gonna sort of play the other side of this, or at least uh, 
kind of I, you son of a <laughs> well here's mm. here's what I think um I was thinking about this the other day so apparently Cranny and I you were uh, you and I were on the uh, the same wavelength a little bit and uh, really the what I feel like is not necessarily that the, it's underpowered, but I'm waiting for a card that I'm excited about, and I haven't seen that yet. Like la- last time, you know, they come right out of the gate and they're like, "Here's Jace," you know, and here's Supreme Verdict. That uh, you know, cards that Cranny even mentioned uh, just a few minutes ago. Like these, these cards were like super exciting to me, um, mm. and I'm kind of still waiting for that from the set. So, th- I, but I, we have you know, so many cards left to be spoiled. I'm not saying that there won't be one. I'm just saying, so far from what we've seen, these cards are not, you know, I'm not like, oh, I can't wait to throw that in a deck. I'm like, yeah, I could see playing that. Yeah, I could see playing that. That's about as far as it gets. And I think, you know, really the the set is, I'm hearing this from a lot of people, uh, that it's kind of deceptively powerful, you know, especially the cipher mechanic. And I think I agree with that, but... I also think maybe I'm agreeing that with that only to hedge my my bets in a way. Yeah. Like maybe it's not deceptive, deceptively powerful. I'm just saying that because if it is really powerful, then I'll be like, yeah, I thought it was deceptively powerful. You know, like I mean, you're right though, Joy. It, the cards are are a lot less. They're a lot less flashy, and mm-hmm. I think that that's a, we're kind of a victim of you know being in the wake of Return of Ravnica. I think that's sort of a problem. But um, the one thing that I have a problem with isn't necessarily the flashiness, because I think a lot of these are flashy. Um, I still think that Wizards is being way too um, stingy with removal. I mean, we've got like 1.62 removal spells out of 76 cards, and that is not cool. <laughs> I would I would much rather... Um, see more than less because, as you know, like when you have a lot less removal spells in a limited format, the limited format sucks. Uh, if Absin Resort is any um, example of that, and of course, if you look back at other previous formats, if you have a if you have the balance in the other direction, if you've ever tried to play Ice Age Draft, don't do it because ten cards out of the fifteen cards are removal spells, and the best card you're going to get is like a five mana Sned. Yeah. So, <laughs> but. Uh, I mean, as far as, like, the flashiness goes, like, for me, it's kind of, you know, I was, like, clicking through individually on the, the uh, visual spoiler that Starfleet put up and was going through the cards, and, like, every card I get to, I'd be like, ah, that's something good. Oh, wait, that's actually kind of, oh, that actually could be pretty good, you know, yeah. kind of, like, going through that thought process. And the best one that I'll give an example of, and I think I even talked about it last week, is Gideon. And uh, I think that Gideon, people are very wrong about this card. I don't um, think we I talked think- about it last week. I think... uh I think we recorded early, so let's oh, talk okay. about Gideon. Yeah. So Gideon, uh, he's four mana, he, he starts with uh, four loyalty, and his plus one is you put a loyalty counter on him, and then he gets another loyalty for each creature your opponent controls. So he can you know uh, uh, pump himself pretty big if your opponent has a lot of creatures. And then his zero ability is he can become a creature with power and toughness equal to his loyalty, and then his um, ultimate is minus 15, exile all other permanents. And so people are kind of looking at this card thinking, oh, well, you know, Gideon, uh, I want it to be like Gideon. I want it to be like Gideon and Jace. You know, they it's a it's a control card, and, and Gideon is not that. I mean, it can play that role, but this guy's he's a chimeric idol. He's an updated, revamped chimeric idol, like in the, in the vision of what a chimeric idol would be if you were to print it today. Um, this guy gets really, really, really big, and, and when you pair it with cards like Obsidat, and you play a lot of removal spells and ways to like keep guys off the board or keep getting from you know getting killed. You're never getting wrath, so your opponent has a lot of dead cards. Um, even cards like Bonfire Dam just like aren't going to do everything that they need to do. Um, and it pairs really well with cards that you don't really think about. Like if you think about a Johnny, um, and you have this guy out. Let's say you pump this guy up to six or seven, and you have an, an active a Johnny. Like you can deal fourteen on you know a pretty early turn in the game. That's a that's a really impressive interaction, and I think that uh, I don't think people should be writing this guy off. And I still believe you will definitely be able to hit that ultimate. No, no, no doubt about that. Yeah, I, Gideon is one card that is is flashy, and I was kind of excited about. Although I'm not entirely sure, uh, you know, I I would be playing him. He is one of the, the one card that I think uh, kind of blew me away a little bit when I saw it, and partly it's because it's such a an interesting design, I think. And mm. just like the last Gideon, where you have, 
you know, well, I mean, his the last Gideon's ultimate was zero, right? <laughs> it's just like such yeah. a strange thing. It's just a val- just a value card. Yeah, like I, I really like the way that they've uh, they've kind of gone with this kind of theme on Gideon, where he he fights too. You know, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to join yeah, the fray. He join joins the, the ranks exactly. Yeah, so I, I love that. I love the design, and um, I love the artwork. Like everything about this card, I love it. And so I I guess. Besides this, <laughs> my statement before applies. Uh, but, you know, the flashiness thing uh, isn't all that I'm looking for because I was really excited to play Is It Charm and Azorius Charm. Now, obviously, Is It mm. Charm hasn't panned out to be as exciting as I thought, but looking... It still I, sees a lot of play. It's, it does see some play. But, uh, but anyway, like, I'm, I'm excited for simple things like that. The, the charms are exciting to me. Um, I haven't... It's the simple things, really. Yeah, that Joey wants. <laughs> all I, I want to want... do is have a two mana card that can do all the things. Exactly. That's, That's all I want out of life. All I want is a planeswalker that has a million abilities. Get blue. <laughs> I want to. I need. Yeah. All bounce. Needs all its own rules card to fit all the rest of the rules on it. <laughs> That's all I want. All I want is everything. That's all. Well, I, I, I don't think charms charms are necessarily flashy. Is what I'm saying. That's true. I know. So, so yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say just a couple more cards because then of course you know we got to talk about legacy here. But uh, what do you guys think of Urban Evolution? Is this card as good as I think it is? Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's very difficult to say because we don't really have a true ramp deck. Like the closest thing we have to ramp in standard right now is Omnidor, Thrag, Fire, Lantern, the rest <laughs> of the cards in the deck. deck. <laughs> uh, and so it's possible that this card's real good, you know. Or you just go like Farseek, Ranger's Path, this card, and then you just cast Bor Borgimos on turn five. <laughs> Something like that I don't know. Um, it's it's entirely possible, uh, but you know it, I don't know. The thing is that you need a very specific set of circumstances for Explore to be a card that's playable. Yeah. Um, because Explore was you know, t- teamed up nicely with Landfall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Primeval Titan, and things like that. Uh, it also goes nicely in Modern with Tron. But you don't just jam Explore in every deck. You know? Yeah. Uh, for example, Exploration was a card in Urza's Saga that didn't see a lot of play in Standard, or in Extended for for most of its life. Uh, but it, it has a home in Legacy, in Enchantress. It takes a very specific deck that either needs... Uh, to play lots of lands, or needs to combo out with lots of lands, or something like that. So it's possible. I mean, drawing three cards is never bad. But yeah, I, it is a sorcery speed thing, and Sphinx, Sphinx of Revelation exists right now. So, I don't know. Sure. It's funny, because it's it's actually divination stapled to explore. It's, you know, like, ca- casting costs and everything. And uh, I, I thought this quote from, from Chapin's article was... Uh, was interesting. It's actually Chapin's article from today. So uh, it says, I got to be honest with you, by the time I'm in the market to buy multiple divinations, I'm a lot less interested in explorers. So, you know, I think he's kind of making a similar point in a way, uh, you know, with with the explorers, a lot of its value came that you could you could play it on turn two. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's true. But sometimes you want to cast omniscience. I'm sure. Right? <laughs> Sometimes we're going super big because yeah. that's what we do in this format is just cast enormous things. I guess what, I, what I'm what i saying is I don't know if it's as good as it initially – at least I, I looked at it and went, wow, that's ridiculous. And then went, well, maybe it's not as ridiculous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll see play. Like that's <laughs> kind of yeah, – yeah. yeah, sort of the opposite. Yeah. Right, not the slow burn into like, oh, right. wow. It's like the, oh, wow. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, okay. Sure. That's yeah, that's <laughs> acceptable. Last- the last card that I want to talk about before we go to Legacy, uh, and I just want to say I think this is probably the best card spoiled so far, is Demir Kirin. Yeah, um, I was shocked it had a second toughness. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, this is like, this is exactly the card that the control decks want to have. I mean, it it, it doesn't get killed by a lot aside from like Searing Spear. Um, you can't even you can't even uh, ultimate price this thing. Is it and so, yeah. <laughs> <it's a chance. laughs> um, so it I, out. I mean, in, in we can assume if if uh, you know Esper decks have passed or any indication that they're going to play some number of artifact mana the same way that the Grixis and Jun decks are playing 
the red black one. I think this is a this is a great card. I, I mean, I shouldn't say it's probably the best, but this is easily one of the top ten the top top ten cards that have been spoiled. Yeah, I, do I like want. The, the oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Ruben. I was just gonna pick my random card. You know, it's tough to pick a six mana four four, but Foundry Champion has a very powerful ability. Uh, Flame Tongue Kavus are almost always good, even when they cost a million. Um, and this card is also the um, the pre-release card and the game day card, correct? No, the game day the game day promo. This I think is two is different angel. promos. Foundry oh, Champion okay. is two different promos of some kind, and they typically do that with cards that are going to see play. And so I I imagine that this card will find a home. Hmm. Interesting. Well, while we're all picking cards, I'm going to pick one more. <laughs> or I'm going to pick one. Just uh, Wait, hold on. Before you pick, Cranny, I bet you a dollar it's blue. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'll take that bet. All right. It's <laughs> black. like Surtoss Swan. Yes. Black? It's, all right, I'll bet you a dollar it's <laughs> and blue. Okay. All right, we push. That's fine. Um, yeah. uh, I had the slow roll, yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, Dusk Mantle Guild Mage, just kind of interesting. Uh, if you hadn't noticed, which I think... It's the first thing most people noticed, but uh, it pairs pretty well with Jace Memory Adept, where you have this just two-card combo. Yeah, what do you need to combo Jace Memory Adept for? Well, I mean, it's kind of cool to just, you know... To uh, ten, like, ten them? Yeah, to, to just kill you. You just, like, activate Dusk Mental Guild Mage twice, his first ability, and then use Jace Memory Adept's oh, ability. Yeah, okay. And it kills him in one hit. That's it. Like you, It's literally a two-card I-win combo. That's fair. So uh, you do need quite a bit of mana to do it. You, I guess six, but you know, uh, it's. But it's what's still six kind of mana big. these days? Exactly. I mean, by that right. you obviously need Jace Memory Adept on the board too. That requires five. So you know, it's implied that you've you've made it a turn past, uh, yeah. or you, you've you've at least got five land. So yeah. All right. So let's uh, let's get over to legacy discussion because we have two events that happened the past, this past weekend. The open in Columbus had uh, over 300 players. Actually, the largest legacy open, I believe, as well, maybe even by a couple people. And then Grand Prix Denver. And uh, so I guess we can go over these uh, top eights very quickly. I did want to note for Columbus, it was eight different decks that had made the top eight. Um, and they're all, like, really cool, colorful decks that, uh, I mean, they all seem to be pretty Except awesome. Delver. Except for Rug Delver. Hey, that's I, interesting now. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, right. Believe it or yeah. not, that's an interesting deck now because people were like, oh, that card's just dead. Here's uh, Death Right Shamans and Rest in Pieces. Good luck, deck. And then people were like, yeah, well, still going to do it. <laughs> play rug yeah, they'll still just mise the games with, you know, stifles and delvers. Yeah. Uh, you know, and th- that's a good point, Ruben, because with the death of rug delver, people are basically taking their lightning bolts and chain lightnings and sleeving up abrupt decays, um, you know, in- instead. And uh, you get a lot of extra stuff like Thoughtseize and playing Shardless Agent and the extra ability and Death Ray Shaman. So um, the deck is very similar. It wins. Uh, the the it attacks a little bit different axis, but uh, it's uh, it has like sort of the same it has the same feel to it, I think. But uh, yeah, so the, the top eight, which uh, I got to shout a couple people out because uh, my my boys Riley Kern and Peter Johnson made top eight. Uh, those guys are Columbus and Cincy guys, and uh, two of the nicest guys you'll ever ever meet playing Magic. Yep. Um, of course, Riley's playing Elves, and then going down the top eight, we have Kevin Gearhart with Bug. Peter Johnson playing uh, No Intel, Hunter Sumter playing. I heard Anime. the giggle. Hold on, what's it actually called? Omni Show. No, it's it's Bro Intel. Is what he called it. Oh, Bro Intel. <laughs> you haven't read Peter Johnson's um, uh, player profile from this top eight. It is the like if you if you're trying to figure out how to do a player profile and actually be entertaining without being annoying, this is the you got to go look this one up. It's very okay. So, so I got He already wrote his tournament report. Yeah. And uh, I think it's posted on, on Legit MTG, and uh, I just got to say a quote from it. Um, so he's talking about how your line of attack to win. So he says, you draw three lines eye diamonds and a Jataxian probe. 
check yourself into an insane asylum, then yeah. drop there and kill him. Yep. Uh, he's talking about um, our friend Augie, who's playing Recross the Path. In his Belcher deck, in yeah. In his Belcher deck. If you, if you weren't watching coverage, and you probably don't know what Recross the Path does, it's a three-mana sorcery from Morning Tide that has Clash on it. And uh, when you play it, you search your library for, you like reveal cards from your deck until you hit a land, and then put the rest back in any order. Well, Belcher decks only play one land, so after you've hit the one land and you play this card, you basically get to stack your deck. Yeah. And so you stack your deck, putting a Meditate, three Lion's Eye Diamonds, and a Jataxian Probe drawing into Charbelcher, and then you're able to go off. It's it's kind of it's oh, kind of nutty. wild person. Yeah, that's that's super wild. But uh, yeah, so you put the Jataxian Probe on the stack, stack all your Lion's Eye Diamonds, draw the Charbelcher, play the Charbelcher, activate it, kill your opponent. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, and then so after Peter Johnson was. Um, Hunter Sumter playing Reanimator, Paul Morelli playing Jund Midrange, which is a deck we're going to talk about in a second, Ben Perry playing Charbelcher, J.D. Nerv playing Esper Stoneblade, and Alex Roberts playing Bug Delver. Um, the Jund deck was sort of a deck that's been gaining a little bit of popularity lately, and it's basically, as Ari and Adam Prozac put it, it's basically just a modern deck with values and badlands. Yep. It's, got, it's a modern deck that has, that has better mana, the only cards that are not legal and modern in this deck are obviously the lands, Sylvan Library and Him to Torok. That's it for the main deck. That's it. You probably <laughs> don't even need the Sylvan Libraries. No, probably not. I mean, they're good. I like a Sylvan Library. I mean, who doesn't? It says draw yeah, cards. Exactly. <laughs> it's almost a blue card to you. It's it's pretty much blue. So yeah, the, uh, two co- two different Jund decks made the top eight. In uh, in um, uh, in Denver, also Pat Cox lost in the finals in an, in a ridiculous finals. I don't, I don't know if you actually watched it. Um, and fourth place, Josh Ravitz, who had a chains of Mephistopheles in his sideboard because Josh Ravitz is a fanciful human being. Uh, um, but that card also seems very very good against all the decks playing Brainstorm. So yeah. Anyway, Jund being a thing in Legacy. Uh, is something I'm sort of torn about. On the one hand, it's another Maverick-style deck that I get to play in Legacy. On the other hand, it's Jund in every format. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, eh. I'm not disagreeing with you there. And so, what I want to have happen is just have, just you know, somebody out there. I think I'm probably just going to have to be the guy to do it. And so, same with Peter Johnson. Just start playing combo again. Like, that's all that needs to just happen. Because as long as combo's in the format... Uh, decks like uh, those kind of decks just have a lot of problem. Or just start playing Terminus more. For some yeah. reason, that fell off the map recently. It's like there's this. Everybody's uh, kind of refers to the gentleman's agreement and legacy to just not play these decks, which is why death, death and taxes and Maverick and these like fair decks were able to yeah. win tournaments. And um, the problem is now that I think the disruption is just so good that these fair decks can just fight against the combo decks. And right. that's kind of why Jund is so good in modern is because it can attack on multiple axes. Like it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have a bad matchup against the combo decks. Like, yeah, sure. It's not very good against Emrakul decks, but you know, with access to Thoughtseize and Inquisition of Kozilek, like your game plan, if you're, if you haven't won the game by turn four or five, you're probably going to die to Tom Wave and Bob's. Yeah, I mean, so I think the other thing that we're sort of, it's not the lead, but uh, another important thing to note here is Elves won Columbus and top-aided Denver. Yeah. Yeah, Um, and that's, go ahead, Joey. No, I was just going to say the same thing. Who would have gone into this weekend going, there's two major legacy events happening. Elves is going to top eight both. (laughs) And Jund is going to top eight both. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's even, that's not as much of a stretch as the Elves. Honestly, I feel like John has been picking up some steam. It's a m- more of a shock that elves that, would. Uh, uh, elves, yeah. And this is not your your this is not your mama's elf list. This is a new thing that Matt Nass and I and LSV came up with. Yeah. Uh, then then the list trickled down to uh, Cranderson, who is a notable elves player, who then got the list to Riley Curran 
Columbusite and uh, all-around nice guy. You see him grinning on camera whenever he's on camera. <laughs> uh, infectious smiler, Riley Curran. Uh, that might be my intro for him for the news thing. Um, <laughs> it's a very interesting list. It's Well, first of all, Death Right Shaman, obviously, but also Natural Order. And, you know, you're like, oh, what are you going to natural order for? Regal Force? Yeah, that's kind of good. How about Crater Hoof Behemoth? Is that a good one to natural order for? Yeah, yeah I mean, that's... Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it, so... I, I, I can't believe, like, that's like one of those interactions where it's got... It, it's a wonder that that hasn't already happened, you know? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like, I think with Elves, you know, the Legacy Elves deck... It has this kind of core of, you know, a bunch of glimpse of natures and, you know, some decks play Green Sun Zenith, some don't. But, you know, you've got the Heritage Druid uh, combo, Nettle Sentinel combo kind of thing going on. So there's like the shell of what is going to be like the engine of the deck. And then you've got these extra slots where you can go, well, I'm going to play Vengevines. Well, I'm going to play, you know, Emrakul. And, you know, this right. particular version goes, I'm going to play Crater Hoof Behemoth. But essentially right. it's like, what's your end game? Um, they all the elves decks kind of share their the core, but yeah, I, the crater hoof behemoth thing is pretty cool. I gotta admit. Yeah, I was very impressed I, by his uh, by his list. Um, it, it 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 just works on a slightly just slightly twinged axis, so as to be more slightly more combo oriented uh, than before. I, and I don't think, I mean, do you guys say, did you guys see any decks on the weekend aside from the John and Elf decks that really popped out as being uh, anything that we, we haven't really been seeing? Because I'd have to say that I, I appreciate all of the variety, but there wasn't anything that really surprised me. No, I mean, the uh, Hunter Sumter's reanimator list um, had a lot of creatures in it. Um, like, mostly as because you want to be able to discard a creature to careful study. It seems, um, I I don't know. That that was the only thing that kind of stuck out to me. Is it just had a lot, like a hot, like it was you know, eleven creatures in the. It was eleven. Cre- well, two of those are Happel's researchers. You're not reanimating that very often. Sure. Yeah, I'm just looking. At he was he was not playing show and tell on the sideboard either. So that that's definitely important. Yeah, reanimator is an interesting one in a format full of rest in peace and death right jamming too. The one the, the only deck that stuck out to me was ninth place Brendan Sheridan uh, playing Metalworker. Uh, combo. Yeah, that's nice. That was all the, that stood out to me. Um, it, I mean, I've I'm all, I've always been a huge fan of that deck. Uh, I've been a huge fan of the card metal worker. You know, one one two and one three artifact creatures. Just my just my wheelhouse, and so I, I like those cards. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see that card pop up again. I think that um, that that deck pops up every once in a while. Uh, same with painted stone, twelfth yeah. place, Jacob Hilty. Um, the deck that I had the greatest Grand Prix success of my career with, um, similar, not the same. He's running blue cards. Shout out to Joey, uh, Joey Pasco. Um, but you know, he's, uh, th- there's some interesting ones that are available in this top eight. It's just, um, you know, it, they're all somewhat familiar decks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was kind of going to point out the same two decks you mentioned, Painted Stone and Metalworker. Just, it is nice to see these decks pop up, and that's, you know, the beauty of Legacy. Yeah, it seems, uh, I, I would not suggest playing Metalworkers and Painter Servants in a format where many, many, many decks are playing Abrupt Decay. Um, that's just my opinion, but it, that, that it's nice also to got, see them. That deck also got really bad when everyone was playing Show and Tell, because you just can't beat an Emrakul. Uh, right. You know, that that triggers when you when you grind stone them away. You have to have like some way to remove their graveyard or whatever. So that's I, I'm actually more surprised that we're not seeing more rest in peace helm of obedience decks. Yeah, um, that's yeah. Like, I agree. Yeah, I, I mean, is in the deck just really good against these bug decks because you just you turn off their death right shamans, you stop pretty much all that interaction, and you have the the permission and stuff to be able to stop um, everything you know, but abrupt decay. Yeah, basically, <laughs> and I mean abrupt, abrupt decays. That's a card, so I, I don't know. I don't know what the trump to that is, but uh, you'd still think, especially if you, if you see, you know, decks like Dredge still getting in the top eight of a, you know Grand Prix or whatever. That's true. Um, we did have a Dredge deck. I forgot about that. Yeah, and this Dredge deck has two main deck Tormod scripts, so that's kind of a funny. I, I don't understand it, but uh, I guess it did him well. But then of course, you know, Pat Cox and, and Matt Nass in the top eight, and then I was pretty excited to see. 
Um, Tomoharu Saito in the top 16. Yeah, there you go. Playing a Delver deck. So I, I actually am a big fan of him. I think uh, he's got a shop in Japan. I'm all out of love. <laughs> so lost without you. No, not like that. But uh, I, <laughs> I've been waiting um, so long. Sorry, I'm just excited to see him back. Like you know, coming to the states to play in an event. Of course, you know he's he's long been a legacy player. He, you know, he won Grand Prix Columbus a few years ago, and, and um, you know he took a short break from the game. But I think he's back. I think he's he's uh, he's very involved. If you follow him on Twitter or Facebook, he's he's kind of posting yep. his deck list and stuff out there, so I really like that. But uh and emoticons if you follow him on Twitter. And emoticons, yeah, he does like his his Japanese smiley. The uh the player that impresses me the most these last couple months that I've been seeing in basically every top sixteen, every top thirty two that's ever been, Harry Corvesi mm-hmm. is just on a run of solid finishes, one after another. Like, you know, he's 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 got very few top top finishes, but you know, he got one of the uh, one of the sponsors uh, exemptions because of how well he's been playing. He's got like he's got to have six top sixteens in the last three months. Yeah, which I don't, just I don't have the, the numbers in front of me, but, but yeah. I just keep saying his name over and over and over again, and he's just so good. He's probably he's, he's got to be top three Magic players in terms of like right now how powerful they are on their upswing. You know how people go, or do they just get on a heater? He's probably top three heaters right now. It's like Reed Duke and like Harry Corvese and someone else, at least among American players. Sure. Well, on that subject, uh, getting the sponsors invites, we're of course talking about Pro Tour because it's Dragon Maze, or no, Pro Tour. Gate Crash. Gate Crash. Uh, they recently announced the sponsors exemption and special invitation uh, invites for yes. this event, and I'm going to go through them very quickly. The so, difference of, of which, by the way, is that the uh, I think that the sponsors invites get a plane ticket. That's correct. So they get five sponsors, five special invites. So, uh, of course, the top of the list is Harry, uh, Harry at the top. I'm not going to try and pronounce that last name again because I always mess up names. Then we have P- Pierre Degon and then Louis Del Tour, John Stern, and Eric Froelich. Uh, so they have the sponsor's exemption. They'll be at the Pro Tour. Then there's a special invitation, and this list is Dado Antunovic, Ronaldo De Silva Jr., Melissa De Tora, Paul Rene, and Adam Yurchik. So um, the, part of the reasoning for these invites is a lot of more performance-based. You know, of course, you have people that are top-eating multiple PTQs, top-16 GPs, doing lots of things for the community, um, and then in some cases, it's just people that weren't able to make Pro Tour Return or Advica, and they've decided that they wanted to extend their invite down because maybe they're not, uh, you know, they're not gold or they don't have a, a qualification. So, and I think that's uh, players like Adam Yurchik fall in that category, which I'm really, really, really glad to see Adam on this list because he's somebody that um, he's just because he consistently does so well at every tournament he plays in. Yeah, and uh, I, I really want to see him take home the win one of these times. He was my fantasy pick for one of our pro tours when we did the fantasy draft. Um, I think that he couldn't attend the last pro tour because he had a broken leg or something, mm. um, and so he got a special invite to this one. And then uh, Dotto and Reynaldo had visa issues, and that's why they're invited to this pro tour. Yeah, mm. I don't know what happened with uh, with Paul Rini. He was the the guy on the uh, the Chinese Taipei. Team yeah, he was. The he's Cup. the he's the not Chinese Taipei guy on the Chinese yeah, Taipei team. Because he's not from around here. Because I used pretty, to play yeah, versus with him. I'm pretty sure that he gets he got in uh, because he's in the greatest GIF of all time. Maybe that's it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's possibly the reason. The bonfire. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Pierre D- D- Dagan and Luis Del Tour are French players, I believe who have put up very, very good PTQ and Grand Prix results, but haven't quite gotten over the edge. Um, Harry Corvese, being in the United States, has more access to more Grand Prix, and so his numbers are gaudier than Dagon or Del Tor. Um, and so uh, John Stern is a local player from San Diego, I believe, um, and who's also put up decent results, and I believe everybody out there knows Efro. Eric Froelich, who uh, missed getting a, 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 an invite for top twoing San Jose by hundreds of a point um, because his team got knocked out on tiebreakers, uh, among other finishes. And so, 
Uh, and Melissa DeTora, of course, a writer in the community with lots of decent finishes, um, also very active in the judge community. Yeah. And so these are the, the, the reasons given for these 10 uh, invites. And I think you can expect to see, hopefully, this as a regular rotation as the Pro Tour comes about. Um, I'd like to see new names on this list every time. Uh, if you notice, there's a couple names that were previously on the list that aren't on the list. Um, and I think that this is a good way to allow... You know some of the more some of the players that are out there grinding, playing events. Give them a shot at playing in the Pro Tour. I mean, they clearly are making an effort, making a commitment to the game. They clearly are good enough to, you know, play at a high level. And um, you know, as for the critics of the system, I think like with anything, especially with organized play, you just got to kind of let it let it play out. You know, give Wizards your feedback and uh, let them do what they do best, which is run their company and figure out you know how to make things better with every new release and every new bit of policy that comes out. So, uh, very cool, very exciting stuff. Uh, we're, of course, very happy for everybody on that list. But um, that's that's pretty much all we have for this week. Do you guys have any uh, other topics you want to try and dive into? Are we, uh, we looking pretty good for, for this week? One quick thing. Uh, Therese Nielsen has the Hana Ships Navigator alt art up for sale, and it's awesome. Yes. So, if you have an extra $2,700, you can add that to your cart. But uh, it is quite excellent. It's yeah. the Duels of the Planeswalkers art. Um, just wanted to mention that. Yeah, it looks yeah. looks really nice. Yeah, but I don't have that kind of money, so no, just I'll I'll, I'll content myself with uh, lithographs. Pr- I'm hoping that art's in the commander's arsenal too. Yeah, mm. that'd be nice. Mm. That'd be cool. That's all I got. Yeah, nothing here. Well, Go you Ravens. can follow us on. T- Go Ravens! <laughs> Go Ravens! Oh, get out of here! I don't even know what the Ravens are. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at KStoop. One, two flyers for a colorless and a blue. <laughs> uh, you can follow Ruben at Zero Casting Costs Red uh, Producing Artifact. That's right. R-E-U-B-Y. You can follow Joey at Affinity for Blue. You can follow the show at Incontention. Please stay tuned to next week as we reveal our exclusive Gate Crash preview card. Very excited for it. And uh, until next week, we are in contention. <laughs>